Hello there, this is Terry, and welcome to another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. Today I'm chatting with Spike Decker of the Spike and Mike Animation Festival and Sick and Twisted Animation Festival fame, and producer Kat Alyoshin about their newly released documentary, Animation Outlaws, which is all about the journey that Spike and Mike Gribble took to create their one-of-a-kind animation festival, which was pivotal in launching the careers of many household name animators today, like Tim Burton, Nick Park, John Lasseter, and many more. That's because back in the 70s, Spike created a market for independent and experimental animation and gave a platform to many up-and-coming animators when there really was none before. And he did so using some very unconventional methods, which he's gonna share in our chat. So if you're into any type of animation or you're working in the industry currently, this documentary is a very valuable look into how Spike and Mike influenced the direction of modern animation in terms of style, humor, themes, and storytelling. And today is actually the premiere of Animation Outlaws, which you can find on pretty much every streaming service, including Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and iTunes. And I'll include a link to find it in the description of this podcast. So please check it out. Now, without further ado, let's jump into the chat. So hi, hi, Kat and Spike. How is everything going on your end of the world? Thank you for joining me. Hey, we're doing great. We're super, super excited about my uh, Animation Outlaws releasing today. Yeah, I, I just, I watch it and it's, it's incredible. All the films you have, you have something like 65 clips in an hour. Do you want to, do you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I'll talk a little and then I want Spike to kind of go through the list of some of the, the people in those clips that he helped, you know, premiere. But um, yeah, I went, uh, basically went through all the flyers, uh, 40 years worth of flyers and started picking all the clips that, that um, came to mind for me as being, you you only have to see a couple seconds of them and you know exactly which ones they are like bill plimpton's your face like you're gonna see that and know that was him so i went um through that and, and grabbed as many shorts as i can um but spike if you want to talk about some of those those early launches career launches okay i'm here do you yeah like, go for it do you like the change cat i do your shirt looks awesome spike very snazzy shirt <laughs> Look so yeah, you too. Look, there's some color coordination actually. Good job. <laughs> I like the hat too. It says "Animation Outlaws" right on it. So Spike, you've seen hundreds and hundreds of animators from basically the dawn of the modern era of animation, pretty much. You you were like a forefront of kind of collecting those films and putting them out in the public. So, who? What are some highlights of some of the people who you've kind of seen launch their career through the Spike and Mike Animation Festival over the years? Um. Well, one of the things I'm most proud of is the, uh, the, all the Pixar people that we have in there. You know, we did the first films with Pete Docter. We did a film with Rich Moore, Andrew Stanton. We had shows with Brad Bird there. And we did theatrically the first two episodes of Beavis and Butthead. We did uh, theatrical uh, of Spirit of Christmas, South Park. Um, Got so many, you know, I mean, there's just Wallace and Gromit we brought to uh, actually La Jolla with Nick doing shows, just on and on. There's just so many titles, so many films, so many people. Yeah, so you, you, well, you mentioned people like Nick Park and whatnot. Do you think those people would have been where they are today without the festival? Like, were you, were you at the forefront of their beginning of their careers or did you kind of bring them on? as they were already growing and developing their styles and, and stuff? No, a lot of them, especially some of the, the Pixar guys, we started when they were students at CalArts. 
they were really young, like 19, 20, 20, 19 to 24. And before um, anybody in the world, we saw the talent there. We believed in them. And we produced, like with Pete Doctor, we did three films, did all the production on them and everything. And then uh, I understand we did two films. So it, it was, we stepped up, we saw the talent, we put the money in into it. We did it, all the ink and paint, the camera shoot, and then theatrically presented it to the public. And uh, so th there's a lot of people, yeah, I mean, like I say, beyond anybody in the world, we stepped up and saw the talent and put money in it and then premiered it. We premiered so much. I mean, I think after all these years, the one thing I'm really good at is finding talent and um, premiering that talent. So, okay. So that's really interesting to me. I want to talk about, you know, this Spike and Mike Animation Festival and how it came to be and, and how you were actually going to these schools and finding these students and whatnot. But what is something, I guess, you, you just said you're really good at finding talent and kind of nurturing it. What is something that you look at an artist budding work and you're like, that person, we're going to, you know, this person I can see some talent in. What is that thing or feeling you get? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think it was just uh, humor has always been a number one criteria for what we do. And uh, just seeing the timing of what they, the timing of the films and seeing their story, their character design and knowing curating and doing so many shows in so many places, knowing what'll actually work with the, uh, with the audience. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing is the, the character design and then the story behind it. And then just the, the timing, the length, all those things is I've fine tuned it to where I just know now when I see a film that'll play to an audience. Nice. And, uh, in that we did everything we do independently and without any sponsors or much money, we had to deliver every show we did to get our money to go on to do another show in another city. So it was like uh, full on survival of economically to sell out a show. And most importantly, have all the people be more than satisfied with what they saw. So they'll tell friends and so they'll come back. Gotcha. Can you actually expand on what the festival was and how it started and why it was so successful for so long? Okay. Before well, he does that, I'll sure. say go see the go see the documentary and then you'll oh, yeah. find out. <laughs> of course. Well, uh, no, yeah. If, ahead, if you want to know firsthand, you just watch the documentary, which we're going to talk about in this. Right, but, uh, right. No. Yeah. Go ahead, Spike. When you all started. Um. Could you repeat it? I'm sorry. How did you get, how did you get your start? In, well, let's just talk about how you got your start in the animation world in the first place, because you, you didn't really come from a traditional, you know, st studied animation background, did you? You kind of started this festival. Why, why did you choose animation of all the paths in the world, maybe somewhere easier than, other than choosing yeah. animation? Why was that yours? Yeah, it was pretty raw and organic, as they say. It's just, we were two guys that had um, an opportunity and I was in a band. I did bass vocals in a band and um, the uh, band broke up and we'd show behind the, the band on a screen in 16 millimeter, we'd show the Max Fleischer films like Betty Boop and Superman and things like that. 
so after the band broke up, it was sort of a grassroots entrepreneurial thing. And so I started doing, doing shows at colleges and we put together a collection of animated short films. A lot of the great, you know, again, Max Fleischer and stuff like, um, uh, Paul Driesen's films, uh, Will Vinton, National Film Board of Canada, um, a lot of independents like that, also a lot of independents and just putting a show together. And uh, that's how that came to be, is all 16 millimeter and then eventually 35. Nice. And then you would you would tour around, you, it, it, your band kind of evolved into an animation festival where you tour around and just show the, the films, right? Yeah, we started booking, we didn't do any theaters at first, we did all college campuses or auditoriums and it was just grassroots promotion. And um, we'd go out and uh, rent the facility and go out and promote it day and night and uh, put the sh put the show together. It's it's well, it's a long story. It's just look thinking back. There's so many so many trial and error things that we had to do. We'd have our own th 16 millimeter projectors. We'd take around and very raw and grassroots kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I'm wondering, Kat, since you're on the call too, do you wanna you wanna talk to how you ended up getting involved in animation? And you know, you worked on some incredible films through stop motion, like Coraline and whatnot. But you're also involved in the the festival as well, and you produced the documentary. Do you want to yeah. share how you got your start in all this? Yeah, I actually started working with Spike and Mike, um, doing the flyering out on the streets, and they really, really flyered hard. So. They'd come into a town um, two weeks, three weeks before the shows and just hit every other concert, other other films, um, ballets, wherever, wherever there was a line, we were going to be flyering that line. So I just helped them do that. And then I started um, doing the box office and and saw that every single show that they did was selling out. I was selling those tickets, sold out every every two shows a night, you know, all the weekends. So it was um. And for me, just being able to go into the theater after I sold the tickets and watch all those, all that animation, I was just getting so much animation thrown at me and, and really picking out that the stop motion style is the one that I, I really liked. Um, but one thing that Spike and Mike did that was so unique to their uh, festival is they, they encouraged and invited artists or directors that had done the work to be at the festival so you could meet Nick Park in person and he would give you sign an autograph and I bought a shirt from Mobius and he signed my shirt um, just that excitement of where it, it wasn't just you weren't just watching the show and then Mike would put on a great um, intermission and he you know he might tell jokes or he'd drag people on stage and he did tie contests or you know what um, costume contests kind of that whole vibe you get from the comic-con yeah. event where people are dressing up and and you get you're getting to see um people you want to talk to the directors of these short films so that was really exciting and I, and I really liked that atmosphere it was very much like a carnival or a circus that we were traveling yeah and, um, I, I, yeah. I I loved watching the documentary and the parts where you know the audience is screaming at the film and people are yeah. throwing out it remind like it reminded me of when I you know you can go see Rocky Horror Picture in like a small theater every year and everybody brings spoons or not Rocky <laughs> the, the Room or Rocky Horror both of them yeah everybody brings stuff and interacts with it but okay so how did you make the jump from box office and attending animation festivals to producing like feature yeah. films like that that seems like quite a jump no <laughs> yeah well we'll we um 
we did, I didn't work with them this whole time and I'd only work if they came into town. So I was, I moved to San Francisco Bay area and when they did the palace of fine arts and Wheeler auditorium and all these places, Spike would just call up and say, can you help us out on the weekend? And even when I was on nightmare before Christmas, I remember I'm working Monday through Friday on nightmare and then work in the box office at the palace of fine arts for oh, Spike wow. and Mike. So, um, it, it allowed me to stay in touch with, with the animators too, which was great. Cause then I got to see who was up and coming and, and um, got to meet them in person because they're always bringing the animators to the shows. Yeah. But um, then I just built, you know, then I just started working my own career, um, you know, moving up to, in that world. Nice. It sounds like the festival is also an amazing networking opportunity. Did you end up hiring people or getting work from, or just in general, do you know if animators would get hired from their work from the festival or meet other people? Oh yeah, I mean, Spike could attest to yeah. that. I mean, that's how John Lasseter met um, Andrew Stanton and P. Doctor was at a Spike and Mike festival. Oh, I mean, there, we have documentation of a photograph of them all at a table working together and, and they would just do the after parties and they met and what do you do? Well, I animate and this is what I do. And I, they totally got their their connection through yeah. Spike and Mike. One, one question I have. so. For me, growing up watching animation, you couldn't, there were animation festivals. Like I, I did attend animation festivals in like small town theaters and stuff, but most of my exposure was through YouTube and like just sitting by myself watching and searching for hours. And I feel like there's this kind of, especially I got the feeling when I was watching the documentary, this is kind of culture that's lost to experiencing animation and, and new artists work and being involved with each other. Can, can you maybe speak to that or, you know, talk about what's missing from this today's generation of animators that, that is kind of not that we lost from Spike and Mike. Yeah. I mean, it's very nostalgic. People have a nostalgic feeling when they watch this documentary because it, there isn't that, event happening right now and you're right there are a few festivals out there but they don't have that brand that spike and mike brought that you know people wanted their films to be in a spike and mike's particular festival not just all the other ones because they knew the kind of crowd they could get would um yeah would be an amazing reception but yeah no we have lost the that theater event the going to the theaters and seeing it because you can just go on youtube and like search one particular artist and that's all you'd watch but this way it exposed you to many artists yeah. at once spike what how do you feel about this because you were you know involved in the thick and thin of it for for decades and now uh, i think 2005 was the last the last year that there was a or 2002 maybe it was the last year of the, a festival so how, how does that feel for you uh, no, we, we still do shows. I actually recently did some shows. Oh, okay. Hometown of Riverside at the Fox Theater. We play uh, Annecy Festival every year. We do the San Diego Comic Con. So we still do shows. And we've got a great lineup of, of films. So just for clarity's sake, we still do shows. Okay, okay. So, but how, I guess, over the years, how is how have you seen the industry as a whole kind of change? Because you've you've been at the forefront of seeing new artists and new styles. Like you've been exposed to, I guess, hundreds and hundreds of different styles and new animators. So how has the industry kind of changed from your perspective? Well, I tell people with the shorts, every year there's a finite amount of shorts that come out that are, um, that are really good. And a lot of people don't understand that. And so the library we put together is, um, taken so long and to have the quality of the shorts it's, it's so 
to have the integrity of the show and put on a, a live show versus there's so much film that comes out now to have it curated and filtered like that to put on as, um, as a show is, is so much different than just going online and seeing hundreds and hundreds of films. And I, I have to credit ourselves for knowing what films are really great and what films have inter entertainment value. And so I think that's the other thing that comes with the experience. It's like not just the energy of what Kat's been saying about the show itself. It's just the whole quality of what we're able to put together with the, with the, the theatrical show. Gotcha. Is if thinking back, is there any, cause you also did the sick and twisted show, which was kind of, right. you know, on the more, uh, not safe for work or, or vulgar side of things. Are there any things I guess that stand out in your, like right away to you, any, any films or shocking things that you've put, curated over the years? Um, well, at first the sick and twisted show was just completely about shock value and all that. And, um, it evolved to where a lot of the films right now are really super good quality films, even in the sick and twisted. And we did the original show, but then we started getting um, films from, there's a core of animators in Vancouver, like Marv Newland, Bambi meets Godzilla, Danny Antonucci, Luco the Butcher, things like that, that we couldn't show in the original show because it uh, was all ages. So we did an 18 and over show and that's when we produced the first two episodes of Beavis and Butthead. And we started having animators make films specifically for the Sick and Twisted show. And so it was a spinoff from that. And uh, it's always been, you know, at first midnight only, so a party show. And um, I think one thing we're kind of proud of is the fact that we we did it right. We did it for anybody else. We showed very much how cool how cool animation can be, yeah. especially with, you know, the crowds would come, they're young, really party crowd. And uh, it's kind of rock and roll with animated shorts. Did you ever have pressure? Cause there's like the professional kind of, you know, mainstream side of animation TV, whatever. And then there's the independent side. Did you ever have pressure to take on sponsors or to do things that were kind of against what you intended to? Um, no, we never really got anybody that's that sponsored us. A lot of people, we were ahead of our time and a lot of people didn't really get what we were doing, you know? So we've never really had, um, I sometimes think about if we had the right product or sponsor, like so many things of what we could do still with such a broader uh, scope of things. Yeah. But um, no, I would say not. Interesting. So, okay, so what, I guess, what is the ultimate, uh, I guess, purpose of what you're trying to do? Like, you, you know, the festival kind of evolved organically out of a rock and roll show and you've, you've put it on for years and years. Like, what is the thing that keeps it going for you after seeing endless amounts of animations and doing this for so many years? Why? What still pushes you and gets you excited about it? Well, like I said earlier, there's only so many sh good shorts that come along. And so many people think, you know, since it's easier to turn them out now with on a computer, when we started, it was all, everything was done traditional cell animation and shot in 35 and um, that there's, there's so many really great shorts that come along. So when, when I see something or acquire rights to something that's a very um, 
really, really good film, that's it excites me because I know the potential of it. And I know the potential of what's there, again, being from the very seed in the very beginning of these shorts yeah. and seeing that. Like our friends out of Colorado, Mighty Fudge Studios, uh, they just did a film, Cats and Things, or Haunchy Cats and Things that we picked up. And I saw it, I'm like a minute into it, and I go, it's a winner, it's got it. So we immediately picked that up and show it, and it works. I showed it in Annecy, showed it at Comic-Con, and it works. And that's what I've learned to do. And I feel that we do it better than anybody in the world because our track record. It's just something you just know, like you hear a, a violin and you know it's a Stradivarius. You just know after a while. Nice. And you do so many shows and so many audiences. I've been at so many performances of our shows in so many cities um, that I just know it's going to work. And again, like I said earlier, knowing that this is how you make a living. And if you don't sell the show out, that's how it's got to work. Yeah. So through this podcast and, and just from my own experience, you know, everybody's got their, you know, they're working on a short film and, you know, they want it to be successful and they want it to be their own style and different. Is there, I'm afraid to say like formula, but is there like a formula of, of a successful short film that you've kind of seen? You mentioned humor was one of the things, but like humor can span so many areas. Is there, are there like key points that always hit or, you know, risks that an animator takes that always pay off or? Um, it's just, to me, the formula is, I mean, like, look at Nick Park, it comes down to the beginning, a middle and an end, you know, and it's just the story and does it hold together and do you end on a strong point, a finale and do you deliver? I mean, I've watched some really, really great films. And again, being with the audience, watching the audience so much, their reaction, and you see them, and it's on a level of a nine or 10 on the audience laughter and response. And then you see them roll the credits forever, and you see it start to dissipate. And it's almost kind of they're stepping on their own film. You know, like cut it, get in, get out, do it, boom, you got it, you delivered to them. And it's that type of thing. And then uh, especially with the original show, it was the diversity of of animators, young, old, men, women, countries, styles, techniques. We always were really excited when we could get a different um, style of technique of animation was very exciting. But And the beauty of the films and films that were 13 minutes or 15 minutes long and it took somebody three and a half years to make it. And it's just a masterpiece, you know, it's like I say, it's the truest of art forms because animation brings art to life. And so just the, the sheer beauty of some of the films and then the ones that are maybe cruder, the fact that delivered on the humor level. So those are criteria. Nice, Kat, is there anything you wanted to add to that maybe from your experience too? Sure, like while he was talking about that, I was thinking that you do see those, um someone's tried something else like the paper animation or even Anthony Scott in, in my film for the title sequence, we called it hinge animation, hinge animation where we took flyers and scanned them in and then had uh, they're all cut out. And then he just animated those together. Yeah. So on a down shooter. So just the clay um, Joan Gratz when she did the, um, the, the clay being smeared on glass. I mean, just things that, that, um, people are, would want to try a different style. It's not just clay. It's not cell. It's all these different combinations. What do you think it would take to get 
um, festivals like the Spike and Mike, you know, rekindled again in today's kind of culture? Because we talked about how we kind of lost that a little bit. What would it take to bring back that community? Well, I mean, honestly, right now it'd be really hard without being able to go to a theater, well, right? Yeah, right, right now <laughs> we're in COVID, so. so um, no, it's out there and, and Spike could pull together a festival tomorrow. I mean, he could do it. And, uh, but it's just all that promotion. Are you willing yeah. to get out there and, and really promote the way he, they did? I mean, he talks about one of uh, DJ Holmes going out to a corn concert and hitting up every single car in the parking lot with a flyer. And that's like, whatever, 20,000 people. So who, who promotes like that anymore? You know, so it, it, you'd have to get that energy up and somebody who's really interested in doing guerrilla style promotion. For sure. Yeah. Everybody kind of just relies on tweeting something out and you know how that works. <laughs> um, so, well, Kat, can you, can you speak to, you know, let's talk about the documentary a little bit more. Why did you specifically want to create this documentary and what's the message that you hope somebody gets from watching it and, and experiencing the history of, of what you put together? Well, I, I really, I'm a big fan of giving credit where credit's due. And I feel that uh, Spike and Mike, um, through those 40 years of gathering all that animation and making these libraries and putting it together, really, the, the word wasn't out there that they had, had done this and maintained this amazing festival for so long. So my, I was like, I want to give them credit so badly. And then just me being the particular person doing it, um, my connection was with in, in animation, I knew that I could, I had access to people. I, I could call up uh, Andrew Stanton and say, can I interview you? You know, he, he would, we've worked together his, with his brother in the past and things like that. So I had access. So that was helpful. And I just felt knowing Spike, um, having worked with them, it was kind of a no brainer that I was the person that would be able to talk to him about this, his baby that he'd been working on for 40 years. Um, it, I wasn't an outsider. So I think that for me is the main reason why I'm the one to have done it. And um, yeah, so, and, and loving uh, to talk to all these people, even just Weird Al, who's not an animator per se, but just, he's so into Spike and Mike and um, getting to meet so many people that way. Was yeah, fun. I was, I was really impressed as I was watching and thinking, how did they get all, of all these, all these people? Cause you know, they take time out of their days and whatnot, but it's yeah. it like Spike and Mike was such a draw for so many people throughout, especially their early careers that, you know, they almost couldn't not join. So that's exactly, awesome. I pretty much, I didn't get, if I, I didn't get really straight no's. I mean, everyone was like, yes, of course I want to give my two cents and tell the story. Um, it was just either to, you know, I wanted to get Tim Burton and a couple other people that had, you know, Tim Burton had Vincent in there. And, yeah. um, you know, I have a contract of spikes back in the day. It's 70 something of the contract for, you know, them showing Vincent. So I, um, I wanted to get certain people like that as well. And, and it might've been, oh, they were just working on a film and couldn't actually take up the time. Yeah. So I'm really, really happy of the people that I did get. Just a random question that I had. Do you, did you fly out to all these people's locations or did you get them to film on location themselves and send it to you? A little bit of both. I mean, um, for example, uh, Bruno Bozzetto, amazing Italian um, animator, director. Uh, I, did, I could not get access to him in Italy. So I actually, um, his daughters and their, his son are the ones that recorded him for me. Oh, wow. I asked the, I asked the yeah, simple questions and they recorded it. That was so. really cool seeing him. I, I've never yeah. actually seen him before. I've seen his work. Yeah. But like Marv Newland, Danny Antonucci, a couple of the, there's a lot of Canadian. Oh, uh, David Fine and um, Alison Snowden 
uh, all are in Vancouver. So that was easy. I just flew once and got all of them. And uh, a couple of the Bay Area people, Andrew Stanton, um, P Doctor, are Bay Area. So um, I think the I did go to I did go to uh, Bristol to Ardman to get Nick Park, Peter Lord, and um, Dave Sproxton, David Sproxton. Yeah. Um, so a bit of travel. I mean, Canada and England. yeah, and you have yeah. well, you have ton a ton of like. I guess, exclusive footage for this. And like you said, you picked through like 65 different animation clips, which was just yeah. incredible. How long did it take you to compile this whole documentary? Uh, we animated. Yeah. Custom animated too. So we have a spike puppet and Tim Hiddle animated that in the Bay yeah. area. If you're, if you're listening to this and not watching on YouTube, you're gonna have to check oh, it out sorry. on YouTube. So I'm just making a note for somebody listening because she's holding up some of the puppets. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. So how long did it take to compile everything? Um, I'll say it, I think it took it was pretty quick actually about two years um but I launched all the animation like I knew I was going to do this so and stop motion stop uh, stop motion takes a while so within the first three months of when I um, said I'm going to do this I launched the you know the puppet build and the, the cell animation um Bay Area gals here did the uh the antidote antidote part where they're um uh where the characters are talking and then Spike and Mike are the little characters behind. That's all done Bay Area too. So wow. had to launch that pretty early. And those took almost, you know, that might've taken um, Tim Hiddle several months to actually animate because he wasn't doing it full time. And I was right. getting the friends and family discount. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how does it, how does it feel for you now that it's completed and out there in the universe? Oh, I, I'm so happy to, to, get spike and, and mike the the credit i want everyone to see this so that they'll they'll know how uh how amazing this festival festival was i will say though i think the documentary could be longer yeah <laughs> i mean i think there's a point in where i was like oh there's a whole section where i just would it could have it could have gained in length but um you know it is i we did it and i'm happy yeah nice. how about you spike how do you how do you feel or what's what's the message that you're hoping somebody gets out of watching the documentary well, I, did, I wanted to back up just a couple quick steps yeah, sure. um, on one thing you said, and, and just to elaborate on what Kat said. Um, from from my side, I, I just want to point out that like Kat put all the funding into this herself, um, brought in professional crews, sound people, camera people, everywhere we went on location. She did it she didn't cut any corners she wrote the checks she did it all herself and that to me is huge because nobody has ever ever believed in us like that before in my life and personally right. it's a huge huge thing so i just wanted to point that out and and give the credit where credit's due from my side of the aisle on that issue the other thing i want to back up real quick to your question on how things have changed with the technology of today one thing i'm trying to do and we're talking to some people now but one thing i really want to do is either merge or hand off good portions of what i've have with the we have a huge library and the content and let people take balls and torches and run with it because i'm not a tech guy i'm not a computer person i'm not an internet person that's not me at all i'm old school call me old school all day long i don't care i come from 16 millimeter 35 doing theatrical shows and 
curating and finding talent and knowing talent beyond anybody in the world and doing it best. And that's, that's what I can really speak to the most. So the reason I back up just the question is like technology and then how internet has changed. And that's why I kind of want to hand those things off to people that know how to dance that dance. So I've seen like people on their own YouTube upload like compilations of the Spike and Mike festival or whatnot. Where, where does, where do all those libraries exist right now? Are they accessible? Uh, that's one of the, that's one of the things we're trying to work with people to do. Yeah. Uh, people that have, have that ability and know that world and have that infrastructure and have that wherewithal to do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. What, um, I guess just on the, that final question I asked Kat, what is something that you hope somebody gets out of watching the documentary and seeing how you started up from, you know, guerrilla marketing and develop this kind of culture of animation and developing all these artists and, and going pretty hard throughout the years, like always on the road and like holding animation festivals all around, like somebody like me who wasn't involved in that. Cause you know, I'm a young person in Toronto. What is, and, and I watched the documentary, what's something that you hope that I got out of it or somebody else watching it got out of it? Um, just personally, I guess the, the level and the magnitude of promotion that we did independently, and that's huge. Like I always say, we don't come from the corporate, the rich parents, the government money, anything, absolutely nothing. And we did it independently and the fact that we created like jerry beck said uh we came from nowhere with nothing and created a market where none existed and we still do it and if if anything just the presentation the fact that we always wanted to people to leave a performance feeling they got more than their money's worth and that's really really paramount what we do as far as the documentary Cat's really super talented, obviously. And um, for myself and Spike and Mike, I hope maybe it opens some doors for us the way we open the doors for so many people. And with Cat, that in the industry she functions in, that she gets points, awards, credit, money, anything that comes from this because she put everything into it. Nice. That's, that's awesome. I love that you guys are so supportive of each other. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, maybe this, maybe this segues into a question that I, I kind of have for you and was thinking this whole time. Do you have any advice? Well, I almost feel like you're going <laughs> to know what you're going to say. Do you have any advice for somebody who, you know, is listening to this and is thinking of compiling an animation festival or pursuing, you know, a career kind of seriously like you did throughout the years? Uh, for me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Good Lord. Um, well, I mean, I feel fortunate in that we got a break and coming from the back background with nothing. That's why I took the opportunity. It just became a passion. And we were real. Our gift was we were relentless, absolutely relentless. We'd go to San Francisco and go, we want to do a three month run at the Palace of Fine Arts and do 18,000 people. So you better do 18 hour days every day of the week. You don't do anything else. You don't do family. You don't do holidays that it'd be the road becomes your life. And that's what we did. Uh, the thing that's coolest about it again, is just that we made, especially with sick and twist is really cool crowd and a really cool show that it's really fun. 
and animations it's such a fun medium and it's i i've got you know i get to go to the comic cons or the annecy or the sundance or the con film festival and um that that's what motivates me still uh i i get a little bit discouraged and frustrated because i've put on shows or i can put on a i can curate right now a 90 minute show that's got entertainment value of up against anybody anything in the world with paying customers that'll walk away just if not more satisfied than any other event that they saw it's quite impressive um one thought that came to my mind while you're saying you know the sacrifices that you had to to do in order to pursue this do you have any regrets through the whole experience or things that you know you wish were not were different yeah i mean early on we were the young hippie guys and we could have had better support with lawyers you know and Hmm. different things it was like trial and error and we never had anybody that had our back so we made a lot of mistakes as you would in any industry especially if you're on your own out there in the wilderness um just certain things like that you know i've learned so much you know and i just want i'm just looking for opportunities at this point in my life for like i say something to open up for us just like like i said just to be redundant what we've done for so many people i feel nice that's just a two-way street simply that yeah well it's quite it's quite interesting i I, i'm surprised to hear that you had you know run-ins with lawyers but i guess or legal things but i guess that makes sense because you're writing contracts and stuff from the start just you know <laughs> yeah we didn't i mean we're young i mean we're in our these young 20 year old something hippie guys and we didn't that's quite impressive you know, still theatrical. that you were, you were theatrical we had to learn i remember one of the big things we learned like what's theatrical and what's non-theatrical that was one of the first things we learned you know all, all those things you know i didn't even know there was a, there was a difference cat <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have any kind of advice that you wanted to to drop in there no we just we uh i just want to keep stop motion animation going so yeah. keep that up yourself included well now's um, a good time for it because there's so many projects going on there is there is i'll have to talk to you after we uh end this call Please. maybe i got something for you <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I um, I look forward to the shorts before the features now too. So I think that that kind of started. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think I even ha- I might have had uh, someone in particular talking about how they uh, actually put shorts in front of the features because of Spike and Mike. Um, oh, wow, I mean, I'm making. I don't wanna na- I'm not going to name drop head. right now, but you can assume. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I just want to keep seeing shorts and however we see them. And, and I'm always um, excited around um, the Oscars when we get to see the Academy nominations. But I want to be seeing those all the time, not just that time of year. So nice. Keep making them. So, uh, yeah. So maybe as we kind of wrap up this chat, do you want to do like one final good promo for, for watching the documentary and why somebody should watch it and what they're going to get out of it? Yeah, absolutely. So by uh, watching Animation Outlaws, you're going to see 45 different interviews with people in the industry who um, give a shout out to Spike and Mike for supporting them through their early years. And you'll also see 65 clips of amazing animation. 
Um, and on the website, on Animation Outlaws, I list the order of the appearance of those clips. So if you have any question about which clip you're seeing, you'll be able to track it down by uh, looking at the website. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. And, and I was glued to the screen the entire time. I think you did an amazing job of, you know, creating a coherent story of kind of the history of the festival and, and also showing exciting clips throughout. Like you said, there's 65. So yeah, I, I, I almost felt like I was almost a part of something that I really wasn't because, you know, just uh, from secondhand exposure, it just felt amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had, I had a dream that if we still were in theaters that I, I would re reenact the moment, like I'd bring balloons and I'd, I'd, I'd hire an MC and I'd get Spike there and I'd, I'd yeah. show it. I'd actually do some of the screenings in the bigger cities with this kind of promotion, but that's not going to happen right now. So uh, you'll have yeah. to go. Well, maybe, uh, maybe you'll have to do like a, a second launch once all this is over. Yeah. <laughs> Spike, is there anything you wanted to add or highlight that you think somebody should, why somebody should watch this, this festival or sorry, this documentary? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Two, one little side thing. Um, it's, I'm, I'm awake now and I'm rolling. So um, oh. <laughs> it's kind of, it's early for me. I, I, I stay up very late at night. I have my whole life and ironically that, so I'm awake now. So let's redo the interview. Okay. Let's no. start the interview right now. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's really like, how are you? Now I'm alive. I'm, I'm, I'm coherent. Um, that's, there's something in the documentary about that. The early hours sort of segue into that is like when I was a kid, I was a paper boy for like a week and I did get up at like five in the morning and fold these damn papers and throw them and said, this is so horrible. If I've given any gift in this life, I'll do something so I don't have to get up early in the morning. And I've held to that to this day ever since. <laughs> so, um, and again, back to the shows, there are always shows midnight. We get out of the theater at three in the morning. You're, you know, you get to bed at five in the morning. So that's 42 years. So that's, that's the life I've known. And that's what I created. And as far as the documentary, um you know it's so professionally done and everybody has seen it's loved it and i just hope that she gets a break because that's that's my opinion the way i see this industry i've been around so much uh again in my opinion it comes down to a shot caller or somebody believing in you and giving you a break and the documentary is as done as good as anything it's very professionally done. It's very entertaining. And it's just as good as anything else on the block. So it should get a chance. And it should get a chance to get out there and be seen. So Thanks, uh, Spike. Woo. Yeah. Thank you. Well, there's the cows. <laughs> that was one of our promotional things. I used to get uh, at UC Berkeley. It's really hard to fly her there. And we're out there doing all this grassroots guerrilla marketing, total Barnum and Bailey. And uh, we couldn't hand out flyers because everybody's just totally tunnel vision focused on their degree. And they're inundated with people flyering from, you know, anything, you know, handgunners for Christ or any, anything. And so they won't take flyers. And so I went and got a cowboy outfit with matching color coordinated chaps and vest. And I got the black and white cows and this black and white whip. And I was, herding them across campus with 25 of these battery powered cows. And so we call the media and all they hear is like huge man with the whip on campus, 25 cows herding cows across campus at Sprout Gate. And so the media comes 
we got coverage and sold out the show. So those, those are some <laughs> of the tactics and things we do. Yeah, there's pictures of that in the documentary i think that's you're like a master of getting attention almost you know they they run the gamut in the documentary of all the things that you crazy things you did and it's just ridiculous uh, thank you and just a lot of that just came out of just necessity and survival because we didn't have the money to do a tv and everything traditional you know yeah just like right now that's another reason i want to hand things off because the internet isn't the world that i i know but we have rights to all these things. And yeah. like, I don't know how to promote on the internet. Hats off to people that do it. I have friends that have events here where I live and they, they, I go, how did you promote this? They go, Oh, just on the internet. And <laughs> I'm used to being out there on the streets and guerrilla marketing and going to San Francisco and handing out 125,000 flyers everywhere and just saturating and inundating. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at, but I very much want to, however you say, uh, hand somebody the ball and let them run with it. All, all those sayings. So, so maybe as we're wrapping up, is there any, any final thoughts that you still want to share? Uh, no, just, just as far as the documentary, just it's, it's really, really great. And it's very fun and entertaining and, and it shows what we did. And just for people somehow ultimately to know that, we did this stuff and we did it first and with all these filmmakers and all these people and we put our money up and we put our money where our mouth were and then we went out on the street and we got audiences and put butts and seats to see this stuff long before any internet was out there and we sold out shows from vancouver to wherever and uh just that it just we always have when we still do if i put on like i said if i put on a show right now and somebody says we want to just a blockbuster 90 minute show e even easier now than we started because i have more content to pull yeah. from is i could i can deliver one hell Make of a call cat is, is there anything that you wanted to share as we as we wrap no, up I, because I can't get out there and flyer for my own film, which I would do, or I'd throw out t-shirts to y'all because I had made some and stickers. I would just say word of mouth, like, please tell, tell your friends to watch it. Um, you don't have to be a Spike and Mike fan to really get the, get the historical kind of animation part of it as well. Just, just watch it and tell your friends. Nice. Well, thank you so much, uh, Kat and thank Spike you. for coming on the podcast chat. It was really great to, to pick your brains and I'm very happy to have had you. Thank you for listening. Oh, sorry. Thanks for putting up with my wardrobe changes. <laughs> That's fine. I like them. You're, are those robots on your shirt? I can't really see. It's, this, little... it's from uh, Ratatouille. Oh, it's Ratatouille. Ah, nice. I like ah, it. Jim, Jim Capobianco. I'm actually working on a new film of his called The Inventor, and it's all stop motion animation about Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Nice connection, Spike. Thank you for that. <laughs> But yeah, well, definitely go. Yeah, see Animation Outlaws. Uh, we'll go on the site too. You can see the trailer on animationoutlaws.com. Yeah, I will definitely link that. So if you're listening and you'd like to check out Animation Outline, Outlaws, sorry, um, it, which is a really great look into history of animation history and the Spike and Mike Festival and the Twisted Festival, um, it's out now. You can find it premiering, well, July 14th on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, iTunes, Voodoo, pretty much every other streaming site, Vimeo, as Kat mentioned. And you can definitely check out the website, which is animationoutlaws.com. And if you want to check out Kat and Spike's 
personal following, uh, you can check out animationoutlaws.com. Just go to the contact page there and that's all there. So I'll include all those links in the description of this podcast and that's all for now. So thank you so much. Thank for, you, Terry, uh, so much. It was so great to talk to you. I love, I love animation fans. And, yeah. Oh, and hey, animators. Wear your mask. Yeah, yeah. wear your mask. Final thoughts. Okay, bye. Bye.